Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. Episode one of the comic movie hit of the season. Bill Cosby is picked. We need you, Leonard. To save the world. But I have nothing to wear. Armed only with a combat Porsche, under our missiles and a very fast ostrich. Will he save the day? Find out for yourself. See the world's favorite funny man, Bill Cosby. All right. In Leonard Part 6, an adventure in comedy rated PG. Leonard Part 6 starts Friday at select theaters. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. heard is probably some of the funniest parts of Leonard Part 6. thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <clears throat> Pardon me if I, my throat's a bit off today. I've been screaming uh, insanely for no reason whatsoever. <clears throat> it's quite alright. So, as I said, welcome to uh, Movie Sucktastic, episode 136. Uh, 6? 136, right? 5. 135. 5, that's what I said. 135. You, ha- you got it right earlier today. Scott says, are we doing 135 tonight? And I... W- I was like, eh, I think it's 134. No, you're right. Ironically, it's 135. Ironically, yeah, ironically, I'm looking at the post I did for episode 135, and I got it wrong. So, what can I say? <clears throat> What'd you put? 136? No, I put 135. I I said it wrong. That's what I'm saying. Ironically, I have the right one right in front of me. But oh. anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to be reviewing Leonard Part Six today uh, because one of our wonderful listeners. Uh, rec- 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 uh, Told us to. Yeah. He told us to or said he's not going to be our friend anymore. And and, and now <laughs> and now we're nobody's friend because we watched this. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I actually saw this in a theater when I was a kid. I was that person. 
If you look mm-hmm. at all the money that it made, I was I was a part <laughs> all, of that. All you mean what little money it made? Well, sure, that you can still say all and be correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, made four point six million dollars. Cost twenty four. I was a part of that four point six million. Sorry to say. Sorry to say. Now back then it was less less money than now, so it wasn't ten dollars or twelve dollars. It was like probably like four dollars. Yeah, four or five, something like that. I saw that at the the Royal, in Bayfield <laughs> Center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went to uh, Willie's Diner first. <laughs> Always a good idea. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Too, I was eleven. A family friend, the girl, she was older, and I had a huge crush on her. And she took me out to dinner and a movie. She was probably eighteen or nineteen years old. It was it, at the time I didn't think it was anything weird about it. Looking back at it now, it's probably a little Me- weird. Creepy as shit. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so she takes me to dinner and we go to the movie theater. And there's only. In classic royal fashion, there's only two movies playing. They had Eddie Murphy Raw, and they had Leonard Part 6. Now, to be fair, that's because they only had two screens. Was it only just the two? Yes. The Royal Theater? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. The Nutley had three. Well, I mean, the theater in town where I live, they only have, I think, three screens, but they show ten movies. They just stagger them. So I'm assuming the Royal just wasn't savvy enough to do that, or they just didn't have the budget to pick more than two. Oh, also in their defense, they were run by slumlords. Mm. Like most movie theaters were in that area of New Jersey. Every theater I worked at was run by a slumlord. Okay. Or, Or some variation thereof. Somebody who just, you know, didn't have money, tried to run a theater, and you can't run a theater without money. Because there's no money in running a theater. That, that is true. You make that all is, your money is, on concessions. That's why you pay five, six dollars for a soda, and, you know, f- six, seven bucks for for a bag of popcorn. With a coupon. <laughs> yeah, family of four going to a movie and buying concessions, you could easily spend seventy bucks. Yep. Easily or more. Which is why I don't go anymore. Makes me sad. We should you go to a movie, you and I, just for like a matinee. I would love to, you know, it's what's sad is that, uh, I got free movie tickets, uh, during Christmas at our Christmas party. That's right. And I have yet to use them because every time I was like a weekend, Oh, let me check what's on. It's like, okay, there's, there's playing at the AMC is nothing I would conceivably pay money to see, let alone go for free. Right. I mean, right now the closest I just checked for this weekend today, the closest I could come is if I decided I wanted to go see the Lego movie. You know, Danny and I are supposed to go see the Lego movie. If you would like to join us, you're more than welcome. I, I would not like to join I, Honestly, I guarantee I don't have time right now. I'm, like, booked solid until <laughs> March, oddly uh, enough. I'm, like, yeah. very popular all of a sudden, but uh, uh, in a business sense, not not well-liked. So... <laughs> you can still be well-liked anyway, in a business sense. Anyway, uh, even I, as a child, was smart enough not to go see Leonard Part 6, so I have you beat on that. Well... And just to briefly mention where you said you don't know what films to go see, this spring and summer does have some promising films. Yeah, I'm coming right now. We need to do, for a future episode, like we do our 3D episode, which we haven't done yet for 2014, 
we also need to do our summer episode where we'll watch or we'll talk about all the summer films coming out. Well, the 3D episode is so redundant now because they're pretty much making anything they possibly can 3D. It's not like a special deal anymore. They just run it through the machines. That is true. That is true. So why even bother? Well, we would cherry pick the films that we want to talk about. Well, then then we could just... I I, I think going over to summer upcoming summer blockbusters makes more sense. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, we do these annual shows uh, every year. We'll do a 3D show. We'll do a summer <laughs> Wait, show. We'll do a how, how, Halloween. How often do we do these annual shows? Annually. Every year? Every year. Sorry, couldn't help it. Well, we do multiple shows annually. Stop being yes. a dick. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> we, 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 have, we have regular annual specials that we try to do on a regular basis. Right. All right, so anyway... Uh, we walk up to the theater, and it's playing. And at the theater is Eddie Murphy Raw, and Leonard Part Six. Now I'm 11 years old. She's like 18, 19 years old. Obviously, she's not using the best judgment, because when you go to a movie, an 11 year old, realistically, probably isn't the appropriate age to see a film like Eddie Murphy Raw. Now I had the the foresight to say to myself. Joey, you might want to censor yourself, not censor yourself, you might want to uh, put yourself away from that film. Not that I didn't think I was old enough. I just don't think I would have been comfortable watching it with her. So I said, even though I didn't want to, you, you, you let's, see let's go see six. Leonard Part 6. Right. So, yeah, I didn't want to see Leonard Part 6, but I just didn't. You chose like, what you thought was you chose what you thought was the lesser evil, and you were wrong. In in hindsight, I probably would still do that, just because and, I don't you, I don't think and, I should have been watching that with her. And you'd still be wrong. Yeah, I'm not denying that. Now it's ironic <clears throat> that you that you had a deci- a choice between Bill Cosby and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, because I think both of them kind of parallel. Uh, a truth about their individual. Now, obviously, there's always been that talk of uh, uh, friction between the two of them. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Murphy using him in his stand-up to talk about how he called him and, and told him that he shouldn't use foul language, things like that. <clears throat> Which is something that Bill Cosby later pulled on John Stewart too. Right. And what, what, when you look at the parallel between the two of them, what is interesting is that Bill Cosby was cr- very critical of his of uh, Eddie Murphy's stand-up. Eddie Murphy eventually stopped doing stand-up because he wasn't that good at it. He was funny. He's good. But when it came to stand-up, he just didn't know how to handle audiences, that kind of thing. So he eventually segued into films, and that's where he, of course, excelled greatly until Norbit. (laughs) Cosby, on the other hand, was just just the opposite. Television star, huge... uh, Stand-up comedian, one of the, I think one of the few, if only, comedians to to spe- have a thirty-year career in which he was always filling top venues. Oh yeah. And so you know, master stand-up comedian knows how to handle audience, knows the whole, knows everything about it. Film, on the other hand, kind of sucks. <laughs> He's terrible. Not looking, not not looking at his earlier stuff, Mother Drugs and Speed, stuff like that. His Sidney Poitier, uh, Poitier movies. But just going into the the 80s the, and like the stuff he did around then, horrible, horrible at film. Now, <clears throat> excuse Anyone me, I think we should you? go. 
<laughs> you look like Sydney porch chair. <laughs> That's Poitier. You a stupid ass. You a dumbass. I thought it was stupid ass. I thought it was dumbass. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's stupid ass. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I think we should go through the uh, basic plot of Leonard Part 6. Okay. The razor-thin um, plot of Leonard Part Oh, I don't think it's razor-thin. There's a lot of depth to this. Look at it this way. It, it, the film starts off with three cl bad clips from the movie, uh, kind of a foreshadowing of shit that you don't want to see anyway. And then we're, we're, we're told through uh, the narration of a butler, a device that was later stolen by Tomb Raider, I believe, that <clears throat> the first five episodes of Leonard Part 6 have been classified so we can only watch the sixth one. So right. that involves us telling a lot of backstory in his history. Uh, Leonard is, is a retired uh, FBI or CIA? CIA. CIA, right? Yeah. CIA, yeah. What about CIA? Uh, he, he's a retired CIA agent. Yeah, CIA spy. Yep. Yeah, uh, who now owns a restaurant and is extremely wealthy. And he's beckoned back by Joe Don Baker to uh, <laughs> help them track down an evil woman who is killing people using animals to right. push her vegetarian agenda. None of which makes actually sense there. No. Uh, yeah. And then the rest of the film is pretty much uh, Leonard trying to win back his Stop wife. Her. <laughs> yeah, win, win back his wife. Oh, that's right. There's a subplot about winning back his wife, which makes no sense whatsoever. and has nothing to do with the rest of the film. Nothing at and, all. <laughs> Even their breakup is vague, where she says, I just keep seeing you with her, and they've been broken up for seven years. Right. But and it was you don't know if he had an affair, or if it, she Well, he claims just... he didn't. He claims he didn't. And I believe him. Uh, I don't. Why would he lie? Why? It's a movie. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, and so he's, he's, yeah, he's trying to get back this orb that's used to control these animals for the CIA because the CIA wants to use it too. And he has to get his wife back because she was kidnapped during a pres a, a stage play uh, starring his daughter who appears nude and is dating a 65-year-old man, which, again, has nothing to do with anything. Nothing. <clears throat> but I do like the Coke product placement during that scene. Oh well, we we we'll get to the Coke product placement, sir. Let's not let's not let's not jump the gun, so to speak. No, no, no. Let's not. And, and uh, the only other aspect of the film you really need to know is that he uh, goes on these missions with the assistance of a uh, <clears throat> a it's not Swedish uh, Lithuanian. Something like yeah. Yeah, as uh, foreign uh, soothsayer, uh, gypsy woman who right. lives in a who lives in a trailer park and uh, speaks gibberish that he can't understand and gives him random items that he will eventually find useful in his uh, in his missions. Th thus set the stage for merriment. <laughs> oh, and he rides an ostr ostrich at the end. Yes, he does. And that picture that you posted, where did you find that picture? I just did a Google search. What is that, like concept art? No, that that picture of it that's 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 a picture of the actual uh stop motion doll used to shoot the scene where he rides the ostrich. Oh, all right, because cuz it doesn't look a you thing don't, like you a, don't you don't see it that clear in the film. No, you don't because it's shitty stop motion. Yes, it's terrible. 
Yeah. And a large budget for a film from 1986, I think. Or 87, yeah, I mean. Yeah, they, they, they put all that budget in the special effects they could never hope to pull off. Yeah. A lot of split screen, you know, just like Ghost Dad. Same, yeah, the same thing there. Let's make a lot of special effects that aren't going to look good to begin with, but damn it, we have to have special effects. <laughs> now, uh, it's this is a comedy. We're, we're told that it's a comedy. Yes, it. Yeah. And, and so there are a lot of funny things that are done in the film. Did you, Did you want to name any of those funny things? Well, if they're if I could name, I mean, I could name things that they thought were funny, but weren't. That's what I'm counting on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, where to begin? I mean, they send a guy to go assassinate uh, Bill Cosby, and I would that's imagine how, that, it, that's like the first supposedly major funny scene that they were going for. It's his own people that send the guy to kill him because that's right. how they that's how they want to get him to do work for them by having someone try to kill him. Right, because, of course, if he succeeded, you weren't the right man for the job. Now, That's coming their... from Joe Don Baker, Rationale. I like that line. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, they send Monroe, and he doesn't look like a Monroe, but that's you know, besides the point. They send Monroe to go get uh, Bill, or kill Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby comes over. He says the fish isn't fresh. He takes him in the back. I'm going to show you the tank where we have all the fish. <laughs> So he takes him in the back, and of course Monroe pulls out a gun. And he's like, well, I'm not here for the fish. I'm here to kill you. That scene progresses into Monroe shooting slowly. up the place. Slowly progresses. Yeah. Very I mean, he, slowly progresses. He takes a shot at him and hits a bullet ricochets and hits... Uh, oh, wow. I'm just watching something on Lost and Found. It's a pretty good scene. Hey, attention, Bounce. sir. What you doing? Focus. 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 Well, he shoots. He's, it's a lot of sight gags. <laughs> like the the bullets go through cans of olive oil, and then the chefs just catch the olive oil in their pans. Well, the, well, that that whole scene is that way. The bullet hits everything, and everything yeah. is utilized. They 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 they're doing uh, whatever vegetables and oil. They're doing uh, they shoot they the got, holes in the bottom of the pan and use it to strain the spaghetti. Uh, yeah, doing spaghetti. Yeah. Everything is five star restaurant quality because Monroe is shooting shit up. Uh, cake splatters all over one of the chefs. He's like, ah, it needs more butter. You know, next, next, next gag. Uh, then finally it ricochets and just hits Monroe and kills him right in the head. Scene over. Mm -hmm. Took what seemed like five minutes. It felt like ten, yes. Yeah. And of course <laughs> and there's a... Uh, Coke, of course, when he opens the, the refrigerator to deflect the final bullet inside the refrigerator in the kitchen, it's nothing but a solid wall of Coca-Cola cans. Oh, yeah. That's that's the second instance of coke uh, in the film. The first right. one, you got to catch it. It's quick. But when they release the the bass fish through the pipe to go kill one of the agents at the pool, it swims by a a half-crushed can of Coca-Cola. It's quick, but it's there. And then the of fish course, does he, stop to read a Playboy. Which, it does which... stop to read a Playboy. <laughs> Now, I, I personally did kind of chuckle at the fact that the killer trout was barking. I like that. Well, yeah. Quellish. Quellish. Quellish! Uh, so, he, uh, Bill Cosby drags Monroe's dead body. Of course, 
you can do that. No one's going to stop you. Why are you dragging a dead body? I just well, am. Let's also remember this is a kid's film. So he's dragging a body that was shot in the back of the head. Yep. While children watch with glee. Uh, yeah, uh, now, I mean, now one I thing, watched it. One thing, one thing I did find funny, when he drags it back to the, the uh, CIA office, yeah. and Jodan Baker is holding the, the, the meeting, is, is when he says, lights off. And they all turn off the little desk lamps, and they, and they like one right, by right, one, right. and say, no, no, I no, 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 no. We, we can we, do this better all at once. And he makes them redo it till they get it all at once. I, I did I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I did like that. I, I, watching it again, I didn't remember that they did that when they did it. I was like, ah, you know what? I do like that scene. <laughs> we could do but better than that. There's a lot of stuff that's really forced humor where, where like, uh, he looks, he goes into his closet when he sets up a date with his wife, and the, the closet is, like, like the size of a, a library, and there's, like, a whole wall of ties and suits and everything, and he says, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah that's but then during, during the next montage... Not only do we get to see Bill Cosby's uh, bare chest again, which we haven't seen since uh, The Devil and Max Devlin, a yeah. far better movie, <laughs> far better movie. Uh, but we we also get to uh, watch his butler keep coming at to him with ties over and over again. It's again, it's another one of those like it's it's a quick joke that's dragged into like a five ten minute uh, running gag that with no real payoff except yeah, see, I told you. Yeah, and he brings him every single tie that he has, and it's this huge wall of ties. I mean, huge. It's bigger than some people's master bedrooms. And, of course... It's the last one. The last one. Of course. Of course. Utterly ridiculous. Uh-huh. Now, we, we could actually... This is, this is kind of a, a hard part, because we could actually go through this film in five-minute chunks and just, rip, and just, like, complain... Or talk about everything that takes place in the film. Yeah. As I mentioned before, there's a scene Easy. where his daughter comes home, his 20-year-old daughter, and uh, and she introduces him to her 65-year-old boyfriend, who's also uh, 66. directing 66, who's also directing the stage play she's in, which they go to see, and and she actually performs nude. Uh, right. There's from a writing standpoint, I got to explain something. Is that Normally, you have conflict in the story, and for the, your main character, usually has an external and internal uh, conflict. Okay. Uh, the internal conflict is usually a problem with the character that they resolve by the end of the film. Follow? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. This this film has no internal conflict. Bill Cosby's character Leonard does not start out with a flaw that challenges his ability to resolve his outer conflict which is uh what was she called again the evil woman um what did you do medusa jones medusa which is a jones. damn good name it's a damn good name yeah <laughs> uh also he's trying to win his wife back but he doesn't try to change anything about himself except the fact i mean it's nitpicking here but the whole idea is if, if his internal conflict is he's trying to win his wife back and that gets in the way, then the whole idea is, is that he originally quit the CIA because he was trying to win her back. But but in the second act, she actually tells him that he should go back and get Medusa Jones, which nullifies that. And so no, there's no longer any conflict there. The daughter comes into the scene. She poses a situation of uh, dating an older man, performing nude in front of an audience. But there's no... 
there's a conflict at the beginning there where he's like he's against it, but nothing he does anywhere beyond that has anything to do with resolving that issue either internally or externally. So that doesn't belong there. So there's a lot of stuff going on that in the scope of a film doesn't go anywhere. Right. No, you're right. Um, and the, and the, the issues like with Medusa Jones, I mean, she's vegetarian. Now, Snappy hold dresser. on. Well, yeah, I loved her hair. Could, <clears throat> could you see them using Sandra Bernhard for that easily? Because the sure. whole time I'm watching the film, I'm like, they could have easily got Sandra Bernhard for this. But it, it's it's. I didn't mind would... her, but I'm just saying oh. this is a part Sandra Bernhard could have nailed. But it, it's potentially an urban film, if you will, or yeah. a black movie. Uh, well, I did to... go see it at the Royal. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, sir. <laughs> it's a parking mm. lot now. <laughs> I, I told you that uh, our uh, my, my friend uh, Chuck, he was a projectionist at the Royal when they were showing the, the Run DMC movie. Oh, God, really? I ever tell you about that one? No. It was a premiere, and the film broke during the premiere, opening oh, night. God. Packed house. And he said while he was fixing the film break rapidly, literally, hands were coming through the projection window. <laughs> oh, God. They had pushed people up to climb into the projection window because the film had stopped. <laughs> That's where performance anxiety is not acceptable. You have to just follow through on that. <clears throat> but yeah, I can see her getting her because it's an urban film. If you want, you know, whatever. What do you want to want to call it? It's primarily black stars, African American actors. Right. So you want to you want to, uh, you know, an African American female lead uh, for the villain as well. Banana you know, that's the... What? <laughs> Banana me. Mango me. Mango me. Well, I mean, there's another example that 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 uh that uh, I, I actually dug up the video of the Ebert review. Oh, I you know what? I didn't download it, but I could have. How long is the the Ebert review? It's like three minutes. You can, can download it. I can. I can. Yeah, I can get it. Grab that, but but he basically flips out, and the two big things he focuses on is the scene where uh, Leonard's trying to get into the tuna, tuna international, or international tuna factory, and <laughs> he's he's trying to blow up these metal doors, and everything he does, they don't blow up, but this happens for like a good two minute stretch, and between yeah. that and the Coca Cola uh, product placement, in a long Ebert time, pretty much lost his mind. Top star hated it. Hated it. Now, I'm going to address very shortly that the product placement. Mm. And and at one stage, I believe the film was meant to be to do something differently, but we'll get into that. Uh, now, I during my research, I did I had, didn't occur to me when I was watching the film. Let me bring up my notes here. Is that the film did come out in the lady when Coca Cola had purchased. Uh, well, didn't Bill Cosby have a major Coca-Cola deal, too, at one point? Yeah, he was already a major dealer with Coca-Cola, but Coca-Cola had also purchased, uh, what is it? Not Universal. Uh, the company. Paramount. God. Paramount. Uh, I talked before I found my notes. They had gotten to the film, in, film industry, and they were they were using it to place product placement other stuff in there <clears throat> and so this was a big deal between uh no it was columbia columbia 
So some Columbia. TriStar. So Columbia, Sony, TriStar. It was Columbia. Columbia Pictures. You're right. It is Columbia right. Pictures. Right. And so Coca-Cola were, had purchased the company, and they were they were using that to. And then later they merged the movie companies, but the two films they they really pushed for uh, Coca-Cola product placement in, where the film was practically made to do it, was Leonard Part Six and Mac and Me. Oh God. E.T. ripoff in which Coca-Cola is the one thing that actually keeps the aliens alive. They have to drink it to stay alive. <laughs> and also, Mac and me uh, pushed McDonald's. Uh, really yes, big. McDonald's yeah. too. I, which I has remember. Been in the four, it, I'm, just, I'm saying, uh, Mac. Whenever I think Mac and me, I think McDonald's because the name's Mac and me. And as a, and when I saw it as a kid, I recognized the McDonald's product placement, but I didn't remember the Coca-Cola product placement until I was reading about Coca-Cola's. Uh, dealings with Columbia at the time. Right, and I remember going to McDonald's as a kid and there was this big billboard or a cutout <laughs> life-size billboard of Ronald McDonald with Mac and he's like, go see my new movie Mac and Me. Like, that was the advertising. Oh, and yeah. I I did go to the theater to see that fucking movie. Um, I saw it on cable. I saw it in a theater and when it and the whole movie, I'm like, where the fuck is Ronald McDonald? It's like it said at McDonald's, he was gonna. It was his movie. He was gonna be in this thing. And at the at, near the end of the film, there's Ronald McDonald doing like tricks in a McDonald's, and they the they have the camera on like a skateboard, and it slides by, and that's it. That was the whole scene for Ronald McDonald. It was literally four seconds long. Pretty fucking stupid. Now, and what's his face? Um, Oh God! The, the, he was in uh, uh, my idiot brother. That guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is forty. My idiot brother. I can't remember his name for whatever Paul. reason. Paul Rudd. There you go. Anytime he goes on interviews to to sell any of his films or whatever, uh, late night and whatnot, they always, always, especially. I think that he does it on Conan O'Brien mostly. He says, uh, and here's a clip from my new movie. And it's always a scene from Mac and Me when he falls <laughs> off the cliff. <laughs> and he's been doing it for literally the last 10, 15 years. That's great. I never noticed. I, I don't watch television, so I miss stuff you like that. You can find the clip on YouTube if you do Paul oh, Rudd, okay. Mac and Me. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And they show through the years him going on the, these talk shows. Or I think it might just be Conan. I don't know. But for years, he's been doing it. And the man has now, not aged the fucking day. It's creepy. No, he he's still looking good, definitely. Um, now, I mentioned that Mac and Me was a Coke product placement disaster that came after Bill Cosby's uh, Leonard Part Six. Yeah, I think the film a year, they were trying a year to, later. The film they were trying to recover from uh, when they made Leonard Part Six is an is a film we reviewed earlier in the podcast. Really, Coke product placement film bombed. Ishtar. Oh. So they were coming off Ishtar, and then Bill Cosby comes up with this film, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, and so this bombed, made only made five million. Now Mac and Me, you remember how bad Mac and Me was, right? It's hor horrible. You know how much it made? Probably less than the four point six million Leonard Part Six did. Thirty-four million. What? Yep. I from was the, a part of that. What, <laughs> in just over a month 
They made $34 million in a month. That's according to the text I'm, I was reading, which was about Coca-Cola and the film industry. How is that not made into a sequel? That's more than enough money. Because it was a shitty sequel. film with horrible reviews? Well, yeah. Possibly? I don't But with I mean, $34 maybe, million, take a chance. Maybe video sales afterwards made them realize that there was no interest in the film after that. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Who knows? Um, but that, you know, just, just for reference there. Do you get that clip yet? Yo, I got it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, here it is. Siskel and Ebert. Uh, here we go. Starring television's top star, Bill Cosby, but it is also one of the worst movies of the year. In fact, I think I could just take my little uh, mental editor and take out the words one of and just call it the worst movie of the year because <laughs> it's really such a cynical exercise. And don't take even my word for it. Bill Cosby himself has gone on talk shows to denounce this film. The movie stars Cosby as a former CIA agent who is now a millionaire San Francisco restaurant owner when he's called out of retirement to battle an evil villainous's plot to conquer the world by attacking her enemies with trained small creatures like frogs, squirrels, and rainbow trout. <laughs> Cosby knows he's in trouble when hitmen <laughs> attack him in the kitchen of his restaurant. Go easy, Monroe. Is that Monroe scene you talked about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You can really turn your head and see where a bullet is ricocheting. Later, Cosby goes into battle as kind of a one-man fighting machine. And no matter what he fires at it, the door doesn't go down. How funny. The door is still there. How hilarious. Ooh, he's How angry. highly, highly humorous. <laughs> Very. Maybe at some point there was an original inspiration for a good comedy here. I don't know. They certainly were not reluctant to spend a lot of money looking ridiculous in this movie, and sometimes that works, but not this time. The whole movie is a mess, and even though Cosby has disowned, has disowned it, he cannot escape all the blame. I don't think so. In one scene, his 20-year-old daughter brings home a 66-year-old man that she wants to marry. Cosby is appalled. This guy is robbing the cradle. What does he do? He calls for a sandwich and a Coke. And then he holds the Coke bottle prominently next to his face for the rest of the scene. First it says Coca-Cola, then the next shot, it says Coke, in case you missed the point. Who released this movie? Columbia. Who owns Columbia? Coca-Cola. What is Coca-Cola doing with this movie? They have a lot of products in this movie, Gene, that you can get a tie-in where you can get the product in connection with buying a ticket for the movie. I think that that is an all-time low. Bill Cosby, the richest man in show business, $67.5 million income last year, reduced to holding a Coca-Cola bottle next to his face in order to get a picture made at Columbia. He ought to be ashamed of himself. <laughs> Boy, you're upset. And you know I am too. <laughs> no, it, I am too because this man can be funny. Yes. All right. You you said he's prostituted himself. I say he's. I say the fact is he's disappointed his yes. legion yes, of fans. Is. There will be tons of people who will go to this mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. You know, if they've seen it like on Saturday night or yeah. let's do it again with Sidney Poitier mm -hmm. years ago, he was funny. Mm -hmm. 
Boy, if they go, well, they feel ripped off. It'll be like, you know, getting uh, some of his Jello products that he sells and finding out that there's nothing in the box. Co there's nothing in the can here. That's right. Cosby owes it to himself. Everybody knows that when you do a weekly television series, you only have a little bit of time every year to make a movie. Right. You can make about, it's like Tom Selleck's got the same problem. You can make about one movie a year. But the plus is you got nine months to have you and your agents look for the right script. If this is the script they found, they ought to start doing a movie every other year. <laughs> All right. Or every leap year <laughs> i want to follow up on that okay well he just said there you have your agents find the proper script yeah yeah i uh, i want to bring this up because and this is not going to be very complimentary of bill cosby as a person oh my you you read that you see the trivia and he even mentions it uh ebert even mentions it that the big thing with leonard part six is when it came out he, he was one of the few people to actually go to t uh, talk shows when he was promoting the film yeah. and say, don't see the film, it sucks. It's only happened a couple other times. I think uh, Andy... Uh, Andy... Uh, Kaufman. Thank you, Andy Kaufman. I think there's one other one. Uh, anyway, I'm trying to think <laughs> of another name. My, I, I, I can't think of a fucking name tonight. It's killing me. Uh, anyway, I hear talk about that, but some of the books I was reading and articles I was reading talked about how before the film came out, he was very positive about the film, and this is going to be great, it's going to be wonderful. Like he was went into it liking it, and <clears throat> the more I looked into it, this is not a film where the studios came to Bill Cosby and said, hey, we have a movie we want you to do, or will you do a film for us? Yes, okay, we'll find a script for you. This is a this is a film that he was already working on developing. That's why he has a story a story credit. He right. did not yeah, just right. right. So he this was his idea, and he worked with the person that wrote the screenplay. It wasn't just handed off to a fixer. He this was, was developing what, the screenplay Jake Reynolds with or somebody like that. What Jonathan Reynolds, correct. Jonathan Reynolds. Yes. This was their brainchild, their idea. Bill Cosby. Uh, Produced was on as a producer. He's on as a writer. You know he's connected to this film on a on that on a uh, you know a development basis. He can't you know. Uh, now, Ghost Dad, yeah. also a bad film. Yeah, I found I have found nothing in my research indicating that he ever badmouthed the film during any kind of uh, promotional for it. If you look at Ghost Dad, yeah, that, Ghost, that's better film too not what? by much not by much it is a better film no i would call them equals sir you, you I would really call them you really think ghost dad isn't the better film no definitely not i'm thinking by the slightest i'm thinking slightest of margins i'm not saying my god you know not even slightest. ghost dad's no. a 6 and you know uh, uh, leonard part 6 is a 2 i'm not no. even going in that really Okay. It's, I think they're equals. I think they're equally bad. <clears throat> Both of them try to portray a kind of uh, family values of some kind. Yeah. Uh, fail miserably. Both of them have horrible special effects. No, I, I would say they're both equally bad. Now, uh, I, I haven't checked to see if Bill Cosby had a producing credit on Ghost Dad. I'm glancing right now. I don't believe he did. He did not. So he did not have a produced as credit. There's about a half a dozen screenwriters for Ghost Dad. None of them are Bill Cosby. For what goes, so it's it, this. Here's here's the person who learns from his mistakes. Now he learned from Ghost Dad and stopped making fucking movies. 
Yeah. I'm telling you right now, my theory is, and also, if you look back in the past, this, this is some, uh, um, one famous incident is where he, when he, po- he punched Tommy Smothers in the back of the head. Oh, did he? You were, you're not aware of that? No, no. It was, uh, he, he, uh, Tommy Smothers, uh, you know, the Smothers Brothers show was, was very political at the time. It eventually got canceled for being too political about the Vietnam right. War, stuff like that. And apparently Tommy Smothers was always critical of Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby, unlike other black comedians at that time and later, never took a political stance, never took any kind of social political stance. He never really came out and started talking about anything uh, of a political nature until like near the end of his career after he was already minted. So uh, Tommy Smothers was very critical of that, and it got to the point where during one uh, situation, I think Hugh Hefner was involved, uh, is when Tommy Smothers turned his back on him, Bill Cosby sucker punched him in the back of the head. And they've talked about it on talk shows since then. I just never, you know, uh, uh, they've been interviewed on as well. They're they're both kind of, they don't, they're they're both a little tight-lipped about it, but they're pretty much acknowledged that they hate each other. Uh... So there's a bit of arrogance to Bill Cosby. I believe that when this happened, he realized he made a mistake. He, again, we talked about how he he knows stand-up comedy. Eddie Murphy knows doesn't know stand-up comedy. Bill Cosby doesn't know film. He doesn't. He started TV a lot. He's a great stand-up comedian, but he doesn't understand film. So from a writing standpoint, he was attached to this film as a writer. He was attached to it as a producer. Right. He knew he was, you know, he's the actor in the film. He knew that it's his name. So what he did was immediately, as soon as the, and I, I don't think any of this happened until test screenings, until he found out people hated it. Right, right. Just because, again, I, I found indications of before the film coming out, him saying it's great. It's just when it came up to the actual uh, press tour that he started bad mouthing it. I'm I guarantee you that came after test audiences when he said, oh, everybody hates this fucking film. And he realized that all the only thing he could do to save face was say it's not my fault it's them he, he would he went on to, to blame the director the producer who were easy to blame at the time because there was a there was a kind of a british takeover of columbia at the time they were starting to call it british columbia and it was easy to knock these guys that the industry was hating because they were pulling a lot of shit that the industry did not like and he used them and the producers and stuff as a scapegoat like later on bill cosby would say if i learned anything from leonard part six is that uh, you know, don't let people, you know, use you. Take, you know, take control of the stuff yourself. He made it sound like they were the reason it failed. Hmm. And I and I guarantee that's exactly why with Ghost Dad, he had no creative connection to the film. So if it was bad, he was. It wasn't him. It wasn't a Bill Cosby film. It was just a film he was in. Hmm. That's my take on that. It's hmm. an interesting take. Um... Because even though I do agree with you that stand up, yeah, a master, but he was in film long enough. Not that many. I mean, he was in some films, but yeah. you know, you look at this. A lot of them were bit parts, and you know. So, but again, there's a difference between starring in films. Yeah. And knowing film again, we're to the I point. Mean, do, you, just... do you think it was really more forced by Coca-Cola to just try and because he had that massive deal with Coca-Cola? No, but but again, he developed the screenplay with this guy, and he approached them and said, "I've got a you know screenplay for you." 
There's no other hands on that. There's no other uh, screenwriting credits on that screenplay. There's no other unless, hands on that. Uh, unless Coca-Cola forced his hand and say, hey, we'd like a screenplay from you. And he said, yeah, sure, why not? And then it just kind of got out of control. All right. All right, fine. But then, but my point is still, his name's on the screenplay. Even yes, if it's it only story in the credits, his name's on that. His name's on as a producer. As a producer, you, 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 can't, you can't come out and say, oh, uh, well, you, you shouldn't be able to, but he did. You can't come out and say, I didn't have control. So he ne when he came out, he immediately came out and took the defensive position. They ruined it. It was their thing. It's not my movie. It's their movie. Was it this uh, film I, that ruined his relationship with Coca-Cola? Because I know, I don't remember how it got ruined, but I remember it getting ruined pretty it's bad. It's possible. It's possible. It, it might be possible because he came out and publicly shit-canned a film that they had put $25 million into yeah. for him. And then came out, and then he came out and said, yeah, don't bother seeing it while they're promoting the film. Yeah, they might, especially since they were hoping on this film to uh, save Ishtar. That could be one of the reasons. Sure. I'm looking it up real quick. But, but, so that, but that's my point. It's just that the, his whole campaign, otherwise he would have done the same thing with Ghost Dad. Or at least he, I, I found nothing of him apologizing for Ghost Dad saying, oh, yeah, it was horrible. But this one, he purposely had to set himself apart from it because he knew that his name is attached to it as a creative influence. Right. <clears throat> and, and you know it is, too, because some of the stuff in the film is set up specifically for Bill Cosby-type humor. The strained relationship with his wife is right out of his stand-up. Uh, the whole that scene where he's under the water and doing the mushmouth voice. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Who else? Who else would write that in there but him so he could do the mushmouth voice? And there's <laughs> there's another there's another thing I want to bring up that's gonna blow your mind. And well, I hold can't. On. I, I, I found it. Uh, it is Coca Cola. All right. Yeah. It is uh, uh, Leonard Part Six. Uh, Leonard Part 6 would offset the losses on Ishtar, a leadership at a parent company Coca-Cola said to have hardly been able to contain their joy over the co-promotional opportunities leading up to the release. The company announced it would spend $12 million on synergies of the film given the success of the Cosby television series and his record sales of his parenting book Fatherhood. Promotions included uh, posters, cameras, point of sales, uh, and she a contest to and a contest to win Porsche cars. Cosby was initially supportive of the film, but distanced himself from it closer to the release date. The film failed with a net loss of $33 million. Um, So, and then it goes on to say that, you know, the falling out. So, uh, yeah, uh, ever since Leonard Part 6, his, his relationship with Coca-Cola was in the toilet. And why else would he spend his money, hard-earned money, to buy the rights to the film so it would never show on television. He bought yeah. television rights so it would never be shown on TV. He also did the same thing for the Little Rascals, but I... Right. It's like, but, yeah, and you know what? I bet one spurred the other. Well, I mean... When like you, him when buying the TV the power, rights? He's sure. got so much money and power. He's like, you know what? I'm going to buy fucking Little Rascals too. And I'm never going to have that shown again. But, so if you... But why didn't he do the same with Ghost Dad? It's not like Ghost Dad is a well-loved film either. No, yes, this is true. So I, I didn't see anywhere anything him doing. Again, his his maybe it's because he got a thicker skin after Ghost Dad came along. Who knows? But I, I just think that's the main reason he actually behaved the way he did with the first film, and it just belies that that kind of like uh, that ass coverage. Uh, of uh, you know, this is not going to ruin my career. 
so I'm going to make sure it ruins somebody else's career, or at least blame everybody else. And yeah, why, why wouldn't Coca-Cola disassociate themselves with him after he, he threw them under the bus to save his own name? Right. After he, and he's and, and by that by that point, already a millionaire, already extremely wealthy. Like, what well, do you have six tele six television shows? Yeah, and what did six? Ebert Ebert say? He said the year before he made Letter Part Six, he made sixty five million that year. That year. Yeah. yeah, this is a guy who doesn't need the money, so for him, it's just about saving face. Right. Now, what I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna blow your mind. I can't take full credit for this. When I was doing my research, I came across an article by, uh, um, by damn it, I had his name right here. Jesse Cataldo. Okay. And I actually I contacted him to get clarification on this too. So I had a brief email interview with him. I'm gonna send him a wow. copy of the show. Uh, it was in a, it was in a magazine. Uh, where the hell is the? I have the link to the actual thing. Spectrumculture.com. And they have okay. articles on films and stuff. And this was a film in defense of bad movies. He was defending Leonard Part Six. You know, nothing too crazy in there. At the end, and I got, I got he clarification. He was defending Leonard Part Six. Well, he's kind of saying that's not as bad as everybody says it is, and they're just jumping on the bandwagon, that kind of thing. Not, but he's he's he's. It's very it's very uh, direct. He's not just saying, "Oh, you guys are just knocking it." Like it's not like an IMDb post. He's actually giving reasons why the film. You know, might have been underrated or might not be seen for what it was supposed to be. And right. one thing he's one thing he says near the end. Color me interested. You're you're gonna love this. Uh, apparently, he had a friend who was into um, Russian surrealism, that kind of okay. thing. Yeah. And he said that this film was obviously influenced by Dada. What is that? Uh, Dada is a surrealist, uh, like um, it's artist? surrealist art movement that that was kind of made art not art uh a perfect example uh, um salvador dali is a perfect example of he was involved in dada Fine. among other okay. people so it's part of the surrealist movement of artists okay all right maybe saying surrealist but specifically dada because uh and i would, would never have noticed this but i it was in uh jesse's article here and three of the characters in the film are named marcel duchamp and Man Ray. Right. Okay. Yes. I Marcel remember Duchamp. All of that. Right. Marcel Duchamp is what uh, is take both those names together. Marcel Duchamp is one of the founders of the Dada movement. Huh. And Man Ray is a very high profile Dada artist. Wow. Also, what he mentions, and I now he says in his article that the uh, that the fortune telling gypsy who's speaking gibberish is actually reading an entire Hugo Ball Zom poem, uh, and it's masked as gibberish. Zom poetry was a whole Dada thing where it was poetry with, with gibberish words. So you just make up the words. Not everybody's cup of tea. Well, yeah. Hugo Ball was, was famous for doing some of this. Uh, I looked up whatever I could find online of Hugo Ball Zom poems, so I couldn't find one that matched what she was saying. So when I contacted Jesse to ask him for the specific one, he said he didn't remember. It was a while ago. He might have meant to write in a style, but his friend who was more into that kind of uh, art movement had remarked that it was a Zom poem, or at least very reminiscent of it. So what we have here are a number of things that point to this film might have been originally intended to be a very surreal nonsense film. Huh. All of this now, all of this stems from 
the the bafflement that I and Holly experienced. I made her watch this with me, and she still hates me. I saw the post. <laughs> she really doesn't when, like you right now. <laughs> no, she's angry. And so she, uh, she, she and I both ended up like doing Google searches on our phone when the scene where he goes to visit his daughter after the uh, nude stage play. Right. And they're be- and they're behind the stage. They're backstage. On one wall, you have shelves holding all the letters for the marquee. And on the other side, there's a table filled with a huge pile of lava soap. Yeah. I When I'm watching, I was re-watching, I'm like, what is with all the goddamn lava soap? Insanely, just, just tons of lava soap. And then later when they come back and find that the wife was kidnapped, or when he comes back and finds the wife was kidnapped, all the lava soap is scattered all over the floor. Yeah. And so we're we're immediately like googling uh, lava soap Leonard Part Six. Somebody's got to know what the fuck this means. Nothing. There's no like real explanation to what it means. And so when I read this article by Jesse uh, Cataldo that mentions Dada, suddenly it makes sense. I have a feeling that the screenwriter uh, Jonathan uh, Reynolds, who re- didn't really do much after this, uh, he, he was involved in My Stepmother's an Alien and switching channels. And he an Eddie Murphy film, ironically. Uh, right, and switch and switching channels is a remake of uh, my favorite uh, my favorite brunette. Right. What was the Eddie Murphy film? Distinguished Gentleman, I think. It's the, the Distinguished Gentleman too. That's that's around where he stopped being funny. I think that's the last thing he ever wrote. Well, that's what, oh no, I meant Bill, I meant Eddie Murphy. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But and he also wrote Mickey and Maud, which I like. Mickey and Maud. Yeah, that's the one with. Uh, that's the one from 72? That Mickey and Maud? 84. 84? Why am I thinking 70s for that movie? Dudley Moore. Marries two women at the same time. Oh, I'm thinking of Maud and me. Never mind. Yes. Sorry. Uh, that's what you're thinking of. That's 72, I think. Sorry. And I'm wondering. That's okay. So he's done films that are more, let's say, sophisticated than Leonard Parts. I actually like switching channels, and I like Mickey and Maud. Stepmother's an alien? Eh. But... He has done in between well, with Kim uh, Bassinger, right? Correct. Yeah. So on either side of Leonard Part Six, he's done. He's written screenplays that have a level of um, uh, competency to them. So what happened in Leonard Part Six? You can blame the director, maybe you can blame the producers, Bill Cosby. Uh, but <laughs> I'm wondering if he wrote a screenplay with Bill Cosby that was intended to be an absurdist Dada. Uh, representation of a spy film for kids and nobody else understood yeah nobody if you watch it that way it really starts to make sense (laughs) it really does now I'm not saying it's a good film but it makes me wonder what would have been possible if they hadn't tried to make a kid film with Bill Cosby and he had just written a straight like it's, it's almost like Alphaville but for spies, but it just didn't follow through. Right. Alphaville is a fam- famous surrealist French film. Um, so he did win a Razzie for worst screenplay with Bill Cosby in 1988. Now that's the other thing. Again, when Bill Cosby won the Razzie, Razzies, he paid for them to make solid gold ones and took them everywhere and bragged about winning the Razzie. I do remember reading about that. Yeah, and again, I'm gonna un- I want to underline the fact. Or did you mention it last episode? I don't remember. I remember no, no, hearing I it, though, recently. I, no? Okay, I then not, I must have I read that. that yeah, he, he specifically went out of his way to say, see, this film won for worst, and I'm collecting all of these. 
just I, and I just see that as a way of him distancing himself from the film by admitting, yeah, that was shit. And whenever anybody would review him about it, it says, yeah, because you know the director and and you know the that the other guy they ruined it. You know they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. So that that just underlined again. He he never did that for Ghost Dad. I never heard, you know none of this shit came for Ghost Dad. Maybe it wasn't funny anymore. They had he had he done a shitty movie. I don't know. He did Ghost Dad after this, I believe. Correct. So and it was, it maybe was like he three just years. burned. He burned one too many bridges, and he said, "Yeah, it's not great. I'm not going to do that again." But then why makes? We're only talking a three year span, though. When did Ghost Dad come out? Eighty nine. I'm pretty sure it was. I thought it was three years after. Could be nineteen ninety. I thought it was eighty eight, eighty nine. Only one way to find out. I'm looking at it right now. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm only four years old. Nineteen ninety. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Nineteen ninety, eh? Yeah. Hmm. Why did I think that was eighty-eight or eighty-nine? Anyway, I was only off by a year. So, so um, complete, complete piece of shit, or Dada surrealist spy story? Ha! Ah. Mind I mean, it, blown. It, but again, again, but even think of some of the other scenes. Suddenly, it starts to make more sense. Uh, dinner with his wife, and she starts ladling soup on him out of anger. Right. Um, I mean, uh, the Porsche with the tank turret, take take from that what you will. Uh, just the bizarre... Th- oh, how about the freaky-ass fucking bird bench- uh, vegetarians? Yeah. Which is like, which, that by the way, that whole dance thing with the half-naked guys uh, with bird masks, it was like just as creepy. It's right out of fucking The, the Wiz. Yeah. <laughs> that, that level of creepiness. There's nothing... That was like nightmare. I'm glad I never saw that as a kid because that's nightmare fuel right there. Yeah. Just the How, the ballet dancing, not ballet. He was ballet dancing, but just like like dancing, half naked crow bird peep guys, just bizarre. All, all I'm waiting for is the music from from the uh, the subway during the whiz. <laughs> How about the scene no. with the frogs? That uh, was like right out of a, a, yeah. a Jodorowsky movie. Well, and, and, <laughs> And not not the part with the frogs, like picking the car up and throwing it in the lake. No, the, the slow mo. The, the the slow the, the slow mo hopping and the sound and just hundreds of them. Just it's. Right. I mean, not only is that scene incredibly difficult to film, but they didn't skimp out and use shitty slow mo for it like they did earlier during the Monroe scene. They used like really good slow mo cameras for that. Right and. Look at the look at what not only is like the 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 frogs slowly surrounding this vehicle while the CIA agent is is on a stakeout trying to mic the shop or mic the the listen in on the uh, factory, but he's writing down gribbit every time he hears a frog croak. That's right, like, gribbit. gribbit. He's like writing gribbit, 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 gribbit. <laughs> it's just so, again, it borders on surrealism. It's crazy. And, and and speaking of budget too, I, we already know he rides an ostrich at the end. Yeah. I could see the budget whittling away just when I first saw like the one shot of a zebra walking through the factory. It's like zebras can't come cheap. Yeah, right. Let alone an anteater. Where the fuck did they? You know how much an anteater wrangler's got to cost? <laughs> no, don't. That's got to cost. Never work with in- animals or children. 
both of them cost too much money and you are impossible that? to control. WC Fields? Uh, I think it was WC Fields. Could be okay. wrong. It's one of those okay. things that you always hear attributed to other people, but I think it was WC Fields. Uh, that, all the animals at the end, that alone had to be a chunk of that budget. Easy. Easy. Yeah, ze- yeah we got a zebra in the film. That cost money. <laughs> Fucking ostrich. Also, at the end, like the end where they have all these animals running out of the building, and you know there's like animals running out together that shouldn't normally be together on a stage. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Like this, these are the kind of animals that we have in separate cages at the zoo for a reason, but all of a sudden now they're all running out at the same time. That's not easy to wrangle, let alone riding a fucking ostrich. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so... I guess are so, we, we're done. <laughs> I, I, I think that I, I'm going to stand by my, my belief that this film was originally meant as Dada expressionism and it just got out of hand. Uh, and I'm uh, see, now I want to actually try to contact the screenwriter. I need to know. IMDb doesn't, doesn't, says, doesn't say he's dead. It does so. not, which means he must be alive. Yeah. I'm going to find this guy and I'm going to make him confess. Please do. See if I can find him on on uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. Well, there's a here's a Jonathan Reynolds that's actually a British politician. Could be mm. the same guy. No, too young. Born in '81. Never mind. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Reynolds. Uh, what does IMDb say about him? That he wrote Leonard Part Six. Yeah. Jonathan we'll find Reynolds. Ooh, it doesn't say shit about him. They just no. know the films that he wrote. No, there's no trivia whatsoever about him. Oh, man. Interesting. All right. Uh, what are we reviewing next week? <laughs> Mac and me. Oh, God. Because this, <laughs> this is a... Uh, this was, a, this was um, recommended by... This is a viewer request. Gino Cuddy. Gino Cuddy. This was a uh, so viewer have, request, and the other the, request from other listener, uh, the one in the diving bell, he had requested uh, that that um, uh, war gladiator um, film. No, Hammer of the Gods. Hammer of the Gods. That's right. Well, yeah, it's a gladiator film. Um, uh, now this is going to be our last episode for a short while, though, because I'm going to be out of town next Thursday. And then the following Thursday as well? Following following Thursday, I will be here. Uh, there's actually, my whole schedule is getting crazy where I might be in Atlanta for a whole week now instead of just four days. Yeah. Uh, but if that happens, it's going to be the week after. Well, you know, the apocalypse the is happening in Atlanta. They got 1.9 inches of snow. I told you, I, I, did I mention I was in Atlanta last year and it snowed while I was down there and people were like running to the windows taking pictures of it. Yeah, it's They're ridiculous. not used to snow. Yeah, it's not. Obviously. They get two inches of snow, and the whole state shuts down. And nine people have died. Nine people have died because of two inches of snow. <laughs> That's funny for no real reason. Um, but anyway, so, but that weekend's, that week's our Oscar show, that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we're doing which, that live, but we're going to do... Like we're doing now, the, we're not going to each other's you know house or anything. 
Correct, because I have previous engagements uh, that week, and I won't be able to get to your house in time from where I'm going to be. And that's um, fine. That's why we do it this way, so that we can still right. do a show. But so I'm not available next weekend, but the week next Thursday, but the week after, I should be available to record that Thursday. So if we want to shoot for armor, a hammer of the gods, in two weeks, okay, followed immediately by the Oscar show on Sunday, which we will start promoting now. Sounds good. I'll start sending out invites and everything. Maybe Hopefully, we can get the app done by then. I was just going to say, maybe we can have that app finished for then. All we need is the graphics. I think everything else is in place. Now that, that I, have I, a, I have a smartphone, uh, I can see how it looks on both my tablet and a smartphone, which is what we're gearing it up for. Now that you've enjoyed intelligence, now that you've joined uh, the, 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 the present, yes, yes, we can get on yes. bigger things. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and end this. Uh, all right, everybody. Episode 135 of Movie Sucktastic. Thank you, as always, for joining us. You can uh, you can go to our website at moviesucktastic.com. Download any show there that you can uh, that you want. You can also watch the show live from our website, or you can go to livestream.com/moviesucktastic and do it that way as well. You can go to iTunes and you can leave us reviews. We always appreciate those. You can download all of our shows there as well. You can leave us voicemail at 908-514-4470, 908-514-4470. You can leave us email at themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. Go to our Tumblr page, uh, tumblr.moviesucktastic.tumblr.com. And you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash moviesucktastic. You can, also do a, you can also do a search for us um, online. Uh, just do a search for Movie Sucktastic and everything I just talked about, you'll be able to find very easily. So that's yep. it. Right. Words of wisdom. Come on. Clever, but dumb. And I thought you'd go with mango me. Oh, that's yours. I... <laughs> no, mine was banana me. <laughs> Clever, but dumb. All right. All right, people. Talk oh. to you next week. Oh. Bye. What? We didn't rate. We didn't rate it. Two stars. Yeah, yeah. Let's go two with two. Stars. Two. Done. See you two next is week. good. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>